Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Hello, welcome to episode 17. That's so cool. All right. So someday we probably won't get excited every time we have a new number on our, <laughs> on our episodes, but for now we're still really excited every yeah. time we, we have a new episode. So um, today I wanted to start off, actually, um, I just got back from the Sufi camp in uh, outside of uh, Silver City, New Mexico, and um, it it ended up so the the title of it was opening the doors to the beloved but there ended up being a lot of discussion around um like the divine masculine and the divine feminine um and so i wanted to spend a little time on on that idea of divine masculine and divine feminine today um the day before i left i had done the opening ceremonies um for benefit that stacy's um on Melrose was having for the Orlando victims. And, um, and I used the gender medicine wheel to, to open that ceremony. Um, this was developed by, uh, Jose Luis and Lena Stevens, um, at power path shamanism in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And, um, and so they have a gender medicine wheel um, which I think is the coolest thing ever. And, and you're do like, I need to know what a medicine wheel is. Right. I was going to say, is. so thank you for asking that question. I was like, for those that are like, what in the world is she talking about? Like, um, so a medicine wheel, um, is used by, um, it's, it would be hard for me to think of a culture that didn't traditionally use the medicine wheel. Um, and they, they're usually like a circle with a cross inside. Right. And, um, and it denotes the different directions. And, so sort um, of like a compass. Kind of like a compass, but it's something that you're... It is like a compass, and it's it's like a compass for your spirit, so to speak, hmm. right? So um, it each of the directions will have different things associated with it, whether it's seasons, elements, animals, right? This kind of thing. And it's also really useful in... Um, uh, using it to make sure that you've got balance in your life, right? Okay. So those opposing poles will represent different things. And if we think of ourselves as being at the middle of the medicine wheel, mm-hmm. then then if we're, you know, if we're balanced in all the areas, then we should have a happy, healthy life, right? And if we're having issues in our life, then there's something out of balance somewhere and we can address that. So the medicine wheel is, is a tool to be able to, to do that. Um, most medicine wheels start in the east because that's where the Sunrise. sun comes up, yeah. right? Um, so it make, you know, makes sense. Um, there are a few cultures that have it start in the south, Ancient China was one of them. So they would build their houses with the doors opening to the south, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more cultures that do it uh, starting in the east. And then, you know, houses will be built with the door open to the east to bring in new beginnings and things hmm. like this. So, um, so the folks over at Power Path Shamanism decided to have their start on the east. And, um, and so the east is the inner feminine, the south is the outer feminine, the west is the inner masculine, and the north is the outer masculine, 
right? So, um, and I wanted to just kind of like run through some of the stuff that they, they talked about with that and how when you're starting a new venture or these kinds of things, right? Like if it runs through, if you've taken care of all these aspects well, right? By the time you get to the end, then you should have action that's happening with grace and ease, right? So, um, so it's really nice to like look at different actions and things like that. But I also thought, um, that it was such a powerful way to frame things and get us to really understand. And of course, a lot of the work that I do as, as a relationship alchemist is helping people work on their inner marriage, right? Right. So when I'm working with individuals, then, then we're using the body and the emotions, right? To like look at the relation or the marriage between heart and head, right? Like we're looking at those kind of things to see if that inner marriage is in the place that it needs to be because we're going to attract what we are, right. right? So if we're looking for, if we're looking for that dream partner, well, then we have to have that relationship inside so that when we find our gem, we don't crush it under our heel. Because so when you say inner marriage, you're talking about your relationship with yourself. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that I really liked about, um, about this too, is that, that, that it parses it out from the inner feminine and the outer feminine and the inner masculine and the outer masculine, right? Inner being how you feel and outer being how you're expressing that in the world. Well, a little bit. Yeah. And as hopefully it'll become more clear as we go around, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I think too, uh, there's, there's the things that we present to the world and then there's what's going on inside of us. Right. And so all of us are going to have, all of us have all of these aspects. And as we're, we're seeing, as we move around this thing, like, oh yeah, you need all those things. Right. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't have, um, if you're not presenting those things, then stuff is going to be going sideways in your life. Right. Um, but I think it's really interesting too, because when you're looking at the mystics, the mystics of every tradition have always talked about divine union, the inner marriage, right? Like it's a big part of the mystical path is Mm -hmm. to get to know your inner feminine, get to know your inner masculine, right? Um, And then make sure that they're in harmony and beautiful relationship with one another. And from that, right, that flows out into your life. And then you can have this harmony, beauty, and justice just sort of emanating from the inside out. Right. Um, and so I find it really fascinating too, considering this, that we're in a time now where there's so much active persecution on transgender people, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, transsexual and transgender people. I think that it's really interesting because this, if we were working on this in a relationship, transgender and transsexual people wouldn't scare us the way that we do. They do. And we wouldn't, there wouldn't be this impulse. Because to, we would accept that everybody has both the masculine and the feminine right. within themselves. Right. And so since this is such an integral part of actualization and moving to the next level, right? Um, and since we're clearly not doing it well, and I'm seeing this persecution of trans people as a symptom of us not handling that well, right? Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to spend some time with it because I think it's really useful on a lot of different fronts for us to kind of like take a step back. So, um, and again, this is from the Power Path 
um, School of Shamanism in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So just like big props and gratitude to them for developing this because I think this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I'm just, I love it. It just makes me so excited. And like using it in the ceremonies for Pulse, um, there were so many people afterwards that were like, thank you, right? Because it's just so affirming. And I think for a lot of people, like myself, I mean, I was raised in the South where the feminine ideal is to be tiny and petite and not take up much space and don't have a loud voice and don't, right? <laughs> which so, is not you. Which is not me. <laughs> like, I'm never going to fit that. No matter how right. hard I try, I am never going to be able to make that ideal, right? right. So, um, so, so that recognition of the inner and the outer as well, right, was really validating for me. And I think... Uh, for a lot of people that that would see themselves as being more somewhere in the middle on the spectrum instead of one end or the other traditionally, right? That that recognition of the inner and outer is also really powerful. I think it's really freeing. But so if we start at the inner feminine, like all things start in the feminine, and um, the inner feminine is representing the heart, right? It's the seat of of intuition and um, and the the east represents potentiality. Like if we think of the sky before the sun comes up, mm. right? Yeah. So that potential That's sort of golden, well, not golden, more like the warm or like that that, sort that of cool. deep indigo before the sun is come, right. So mm-hmm. like, or even the darkest part before it starts to change light. Like mm. you know, there's there's the potentiality there. You know, the sun is coming up, but it hasn't yet. Right. So there's all that potentiality there. There's a sort of mystery there. Um, it is the place of everything and nothing because it's that, that, that lull space between night and, and the day that's coming on. Um, and so this is really representative of the spirit world because we're in a space where all possibilities exist, but nothing has happened yet. Mm, yeah, I love that. Right? Yeah. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. 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 And so also it's uh, referred to as the great mystery a lot of times, right? But also the void, which can be terrifying, <laughs> right? right? Like, there's so, so much possibility you could get lost in it. Yeah. And right. it, it, which it I've experienced in my life. Totally. Yeah. I think we all too have. Too many options. Like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do. Yeah, right. totally. Yeah. So, and it can become this kind of like reflection pool for our fears, right? It makes me think of, um, have you read the Chronicles of Narnia? Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the first book, when they're jumping in the pools that are in the, so this is the one before the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. It's the prequel one. Yes. Silver chair, I think. No, silver chair towards the end. Magician's nephew. It might be magician's nephew. That sounds better. Where he lets the white witch out of, out on accident. So (laughs) I remember that part. So I remember, so they, they're jumping in these pools and different, the pools would go to different different worlds. Yeah. And then there's one time that they jump into a pool and it's nothing but blackness. Do you remember this one? I, it's been years. Okay. I, mean, I read it when and I was so like there's 10. like nothing but black. So I read it to a 10 year old. So I've got it like in my head a little bit better because it was mm-hmm. only 20 years ago. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, uh, they're jumping these poles and there's one that they jump into and there's just nothing there. Complete blackness. And Aslan begins to sing. Oh no. The taxi driver begins to sing a hymn. That's what it is. The taxi driver begins to sing a hymn. 
and they all join in in the hymn. And as they start singing, then the sun begins to come up and all these colors come and there's this beautiful landscape forming around them and then Aslan comes over the hill. So this is when they meet Aslan the first time. And you understand that whatever they projected into that void was going to be what came back to them. Oh, okay. So they could have gotten really frightened because they couldn't see anything and imagined all these terrible things there and then that would have happened, right? But with the taxi driver singing a hymn... Then he called this the, the beauty from the lyrics in, right? right. So, um, so that's kind of what the void is, right? It really mm. is whatever we send into it is going to come back, okay. but it's the space where nothing's come back yet. It's just the void, okay. and and our attitude towards the the void is what can. And each of these directions have a positive aspect and, an, and a and a negative aspect, or a light and a shadow aspect, right? Um, but this is the source point and holder of all that is right. So that's the inner feminine and all things start there. Um, so if we're looking at those positive impacts, I'm reading off some notes that I had. So the, the positive aspects would be peacefulness, right? That calm and stillness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, have the home base, the heart and, um, it's the great mother, right? Um, the negative aspect or the shadow aspects really has a lot more to do with how we view what's happening there. So our fear of the unknown ends up being one of the negative aspects, but we're projecting that in. It's not something that, that the inner feminine has in itself. Right. right. Um, and so it can be also because nothing has yet come to be and all things are there, then it can also be perceived as very chaotic and messy. Yeah. Right. Overwhelming. Yeah. But it is this beginning point for everything. So there's, um, uh, and there's been several readings that I've had come across in the past couple of weeks about the chaos that is necessary for new beginnings. Right. And I feel like that's the time we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the old systems are coming down and there's all this chaos. And I found that I've come to realize that too with my business is that I was trying to sort of find like the right thing, the right niche, the right product, the right customer, you know, kind of trying to find like that one thing. And then finally what I realized is I needed to take more of an approach of trying a lot of different things. And then seeing what worked and right. what stuck and, and what, you know, was a better direction to go. And, and so I, I finally realized it's like, I mean, me as, as a person who likes things organized and neat and clean, it can be, you're like, no, just give me the, the right. answer. Give me the best path, you know? <laughs> know. But sometimes it, it is necessary to, you know, sort of put up with too many possibilities and, and like you said, some of that chaos to sort of then go, okay, now here's where I'm going to focus. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think if we can recognize like, okay, this is just part of the process. This Mm -hmm. means I'm in a beginning space. That's great. Do you know what I mean? Nowhere to go, but up kind of idea. Right. Right. Because I think the thing that can make it even more difficult than it is, is that, um, is the psychological pain that we put on top of it. Right. Because we think, we've screwed it up. We've done something wrong. Uh, Like, why is everything a mess like this? I must, I'm like losing it because 
I like to be organized and I'm not right now. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, so we put all this psychological pain on top of it and then we beat ourselves up. Right. We expect it to be something other than what it is. And and so then we're disappointed when those expectations are not met. And then judging ourselves because this is the way it's supposed to be. So if it's not this way, then it must have done something wrong. Yeah. Totally. Right. I've gotten so much better at getting out of that. I used to do that all the time. Yeah. And I still sometimes catch myself, you know, when I start to get really stressed and going, wait a minute, what about this? Am I looking at in a way that's causing me to be stressed? Because I found that if I, if I start to get stressed out, I go, okay, this is me putting some kind of expectations or looking at it in, in that way where I'm judging myself or whatever. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. yeah the shift <laughs> of the perception causes alchemy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, and then so you nice. go, Oh, it's just life. This is what's happening. And <laughs> right. Yeah. And here's what I can do to roll with it yeah. and make it happen more, allow it to be more easy. Yeah, than, totally. Then trying to fight against it and, you know, then you expend all this energy yeah. mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And like <clears throat> having this to kind of walk around is nice to see too. Like, okay, this is the phase I'm in. Next is going to be this part or now I can start focusing on this one if I want to start moving. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, so we move clockwise then to the outer feminine, which is in the South. Okay. Um, and this, the outer feminine is the womb. Right. So it has to do with containers. And if we think about like, um, what the womb is, like the womb is a container. It's a place that has boundaries and, and, and then uh, new life comes out of it. And new life comes out of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. yeah. And how much we need those containers. So, so our businesses are containers. Our relationships are containers. Our work is a container, right? Like these roles that we play in life, those are containers. Those are all containers. They, they have boundaries and certain and, rules and ways that we behave in those right. scenarios. And so it's a like if it's functioning the way that it should be. So I think this is really powerful, right? Because this is just starting to move from you know the, the the darkness before the seed comes in to now we're in a womb space, right? Like um, so we're we're starting that movement towards manifestation, and um, so this can be a really great place to check and make sure from the beginning that things are the way they need to be, right? Mm-hmm. And if those those containers should be supportive, right? Um, As opposed to confining. Exactly. Okay. So, um, so if the container is that kind of the shadow aspect is that it's confining instead of. You're so good. (laughs) Okay. So it's going to support and hold us for other things. So the positive is that it's going to support you and your experience, right? So it's supportive, it's nurturing, it's protective, right? Um, but the negative is going to feel like it can feel like an entrapment and it can go either way. It can either be too confining Right. Or it can be too big. Mm, and so, so you feel like you're floundering within it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I hate that feeling. Right. We, were, we were at Sunsplash <laughs> the other night. I took my kids. They start school on Monday. And so we went to Sunsplash. Like the last hurrah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, exactly. <laughs> and, and there are these certain rides that I won't go on because you can end up like free falling or going backwards and falling. And I just, oh, I hate that feeling of just being, and, and my son was like, well, 
you, how can you go on roller coasters? And I'm like, well, roller coasters are different. You're strapped in. And so even though you're going on these steep ups and downs and loops and going upside down, I, I always feel secure because I'm strapped because in. Because of the container. Right? Because of the container. And so, yeah. That's such a good example. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. That is perfect. That's such a good example. Yeah, totally. So if it's, and, and we can see that too, just like with the womb, right? When the womb becomes too constrictive, the baby comes out. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. So, so there's going to be, th- and we've all experienced that when we've been in, in, in a job or sometimes a relationship oh. that's too confining. Yes. And you're like, okay, that's it. I have to get out now. Right. <laughs> it's time. It's time for me to, and we see this in nature with animals that molt or mm. shed their skins and things like this. Right. Um, and there's that great uh, video of the rabbi. Oh, what is his name? And he's talking about how lobsters grow. And it's because they feel stress and anxiety because their shells become too confined, right? And he's like, if lobsters had doctors, they'd never grow because they'd give them a pill whenever they were feeling stressed out. <laughs> but he's talking about, like, you know, that agitation and stress is one of the imp- impetuses for growth, right? Right. Um, so, and of course, there's lots of different ways to negotiate more space, right? Yeah. But if it's feeling too confining, then then it's time to move to the next space, right? But there's yeah. we want to have containers that that are supporting the experience right? Um, rather than shutting it down or then so big that we're swishing yeah. around and end up backwards and get water and up that, our nose. That explains how, <laughs> you know, people can have, you know, the same circumstances but very different experience with it. Like I remember when um, I – there have been times where I have a full-time job and it's stressful and I'm like <gasps> – if only I didn't have to work. And then, and then and later, at some other point, being in a situation where I didn't have a job and I was looking for a job. And, and on the one hand, it was like, oh, I can do whatever. I, I have no job. <laughs> but there's, but it's like, but then you don't have the income. And then you also, I think even just importantly is the purpose, you know, right. the, the work gives you that. It's It brings it's, the structure right. in. Yeah. 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 yeah, even part-time stuff can do that, even if you don't even really need the money that much, right? right. Like, yeah. a small part-time job can be just enough. Like, your level of productivity can skyrocket, even though you're losing three hours a day or four hours a day or whatever, right? right. Because, like, oh, well, i got to get this done before I have to leave at so-and-so time, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and I know they had done studies on... Um, and, you know, there's some sort of sexist back to this because they're looking at housewives and, and women that worked outside the home and women that didn't um, and looking at productivity. Like there's all these studies about productivity that were happening in the 60s as men sort of like came into women's lives and then told them how they should be running their homes. Right. Um and that's a whole other discussion for like the weight of things unseen, right? Yeah, and people I'm just like, oh, well, you that. just need to be a little more efficient, <laughs> Miss Housewife, um, instead of like, oh, your talents are not being appreciated in the world, and so you're not moving as quickly as you would if you were appreciated. And you know what I mean? So they did studies in the '70s when there was all this, um, uh, when the 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 backlash about women returning to the workforce was really at the strongest, mm-hmm. right? But they did these efficiency studies and saw that the women that were that were working at least part time outside the home were actually more efficient in getting housework done than the women that 
were full time at home. Right. right? So, um, so very interesting, but, um, okay. So now on the, on the thing, we're moving into the West now to continuing okay. clockwise. Um, and that is the inner masculine. So the inner masculine is, um, intentions, ideas. It's the realm of the mind, mm. right? So whereas the, the heart is the realm of the feminine, the mind is the realm of the masculine. Um, so, and you see here too, that we started in the heart, right? And we've mm-hmm. only brought the mind in once the heart is in its right place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think, and I, you know, as a former educator for years and years and years, and I still, to some degree, um, believe that education can change the world, right? Um, but if the heart is not also being trained, mm-hmm. Then, right. then, then the education actually doesn't change anything, and we can see that in, you know, uh, Germany between the wars. Germany was one of the most educated countries in Europe. They had an excellent public education system, and and all it did was make them kill people more efficiently, right? Mm. It didn't take away the prejudice and the hatred and the right that the the. The, the fear that drives those kinds of things is a matter of the heart. You can't shift that with the head. Right. right? So, um, hmm. so that, that I love that they incorporated this, right. That you're starting with the heart and, and then you move, you move the, the mind into the picture. Then the mind is going to focus a lot better. Um, so we move into to the West with the, the inner masculine, um, and masculine energy is very directive and very decisive, right? So you can kind okay. of see that sort of idea of the void or the great waters, right? And there's this kind of soupy thing going on. And then as we're moving into the masculine, it becomes much more pointed, right? Okay. There's more direction and decision. More like a river than an ocean. Yeah. Kind of thing. And so the positive aspect of the inner masculine is that um, is clarity, and vision that guides intention. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, but the, the negative can be obsessive or anxiety and confusion, right? So obsession is of the mind. Mm-hmm. Like we can pull emotions into it, but it's the mind getting caught on a In loop. In a loop, yeah. Right? And that, um, that anxiety and um, anxiety and confusion, obviously if there's not the same amount of like clarity can really help us with those kind of things. But it also has to do with the emotions that we're projecting into the void or mystery or chaos or those kind of things. Right. So it can project like across the wheel kind of thing. Right. So if it's not set up here, if it's not set up in the East and the inner feminine Mm -hmm. correctly, then it, then you start having problems, right? So as you're moving around the wheel, if something isn't, if, if something isn't right, or in right relationship, then it's going to cause problems later on. Does okay. that make sense? Right. So if we haven't... Because whatever you set up in the beginning gets amplified. Yes. And focused. As you're moving around. And then, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So so dealing with that fear of the unknown at the beginning is going to be absolutely crucial to move all the way around, right? So, um, and if it hasn't been dealt with, then when we move into the realm of the mind, then we have anxiety, we have confusion, we have obsession, these kind of things. So, um, and then we go to moving clockwise again to the North, which is the outer masculine. And this is action and manifestation, right? So, um, and, 
and so, a lot of- so the the West was clarity and thought. Yes. And this is like clarity in action. Kind so of, this or, is moving from, right, so you've got dealing with that emotional action realm. action on the clarity that was from the... Right. Yeah. So you've got the, the emotional realm, and then you set up your container, mm-hmm. and then you've got the ideas and the vision, and then you move into action. Hmm. Okay. Right? So it's like emotional clarity, safe container, idea and vision, and now we can put it into... Now we can start moving forward. Right. And if all these things are, are, um, if all these, these pieces are, are laid down properly, right. Then by the time we get to action, we're able to move with grace and ease because things will happen very synchronistically because we're all in alignment. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so action will, will, um, It'll feel like, oh, it just dropped in my lap. Like, no, you've done a lot of work right. to have a to lap ready for it point. to drop into. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, and then the, the the north too. For a lot of um, a lot of traditional medicine wheels, the north is associated with winter, right? Right. The north tends to have the hardest winters, right? So, and um, that is a season of incredible challenge, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's a lot of power that's within the the outer masculine and that moving through the winter and the challenging it it really pushes us to grow our inner roots down deep right and be able to really stand on um really knowing who we are and and where we're going and that's where the results come from does that make sense mm-hmm. so if we're thinking like trees responding to that and the north is also so that's the place of completion right and that completion has to happen before we can go into the beginning again so if we're mm-hmm. looking at, at the realm of relationships for example if i haven't worked through whatever lingering patterns, resentments, things I need to forgive, stuff I need to take care of in myself in leaving an old relationship, Mm -hmm. I'm going to carry that into the new relationship Mm -hmm. and cause problems. Right. right? So if I haven't had, if I haven't had full completion on a cycle, then the new beginning, you have to go backwards then to get the completion before you can move forward with a new beginning. Right. So, and I want to, I, you know, I wonder, um, uh, one time you and I, we did a, a session together and, um, uh, and I was like, yeah, I haven't had any, you know, relationships since my divorce. And, and, and you're like, well, but at least you're not getting into any bad ones. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, thank you for that positive spin. Um, but I, but I think it's like, it's almost like there's some part of me that senses that, oh, there's still some, like, mm. final work to do in cleaning up the old relationship, so let's not start on anything new. Yeah, yeah. And, like, dating and things like that can be a way, it can help us clean stuff up if we understand that going in, right? So if we're recognizing, I know, you know, the dating that I did before Jason and I met, um, and it's a lot more fun that way because otherwise you take everything really personally. It's just miserable and, you know, like destroys your faith in humanity. I mean, it can do all these really terrible things to you. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? But if, if I recognize, okay, each one of these people is, um, is a mirror to help me see what is still lingering, right? Like mm-hmm. they're going to help me check my blind spots, right? And see what's still happening there. 
then it becomes this really beautiful experience. And all of these people, no matter how strange, <laughs> strange or wonderful or both they are, um, or just downright creepy and weird, um, are, are ways of like helping, helping me get to the stuff that I couldn't see otherwise. Do you know oh, what I mean? Right. Kind of and, brings it up to the surface so totally. you can deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And so, so that can, that can help us too. Cause it, you know, otherwise we get to a place where we fixed everything we can see. Right. Yeah. You know, so you you need like two mirrors to be able to look at each other, so you can see the spot in the back of your head that the you know. Missed. Right, totally. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, so if it gets to the place where it's like, okay, well, I've done everything I can do, right? Then then casual dating can be a really good way to to if if we understand that perspective when we're going in, yeah, um, hmm. and go in with gratitude and seeing each of these people as teachers for us, right? And just like learn what you got to learn and say goodbye, <laughs> you know, thank you next. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yes. and then you can get some great stories out of it actually. Like, <laughs> seriously. Like I've said every time I've gone through a dating phase, I'm like, dude, I have to do a play about this because it's just the, I mean, the stories are just hilarious every time. Truth is stranger than fiction in so many ways. It's fabulous. <laughs> if it, you know, if it was a play, nobody would, they'd be like, Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, but it happened. It really, really happened. Okay. So, um, so in the north, the positive aspects of that, like I'd said earlier, if it if it's set up correctly, then it's going to be effortless, mm-hmm. right? Things are moving on synchronicity, um, and we've got that completion. The um, the negative os- aspect then is the struggle um, is the struggle that comes up from. Okay, so I, I covered all my notes on that. So the negative aspect then is that struggle that comes up from from not having um, completed things properly. And, and then we can just use that as a signal to look and see, to go back and right. see where we're go back out and of see. balance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And get it around like that. I just think it's the coolest thing ever. I really, yeah. like. <laughs> I really like that as a way of, um, you know, before you start on some new endeavor, sort of going around the circle and establishing each of those. Yeah. 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 I've got a couple of new things that I'm spawning right now that. So I'm like, oh, now I'm going to go do that later. Yeah. <laughs> kind of look at each of those and, and see if I need any more adjustments yeah. before I move to that next stage. Move to the next one. Yeah. yeah. And I really, like, I'm so curious to see, and, it, you know, the past week, um, I've had lots of conversations. I've been working with this really intensely. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious to see as I go forward um, how how this shapes my, like that inner marriage and the inner dance. Do you know what I mean? And I I can see it as, and the the work that we did this, we did some soul work. Um, One of the classes that was happening every afternoon was a soul work class, right? So it was actually really similar to a lot of stuff that I do and like finding these different aspects of the self and then um, seeing how they respond in relationship to one another and then having conversations with them about what that relationship, what's happening with that relationship and stuff like that. And it was, um, Really, I was like really pleased and happy, and maybe I sounded surprised, but the teacher was like, because uh, when we were looking at the feminine and masculine self, right? She's like, okay, see, how, you know, see if they have anything to say to one another, because you greet each aspect as it comes in to sit around this table. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like a guided meditation thing, right? Oh, okay. So, um, 
uh, you're greeting each aspect as they come in and asking how their life is right now and listening to what they have to say. And, um, and then it, once everyone's around the table that we're going to work with in that session, then you just kind of stand back a little bit and watch them interact with one another. Hmm. And um, my inner feminine and inner masculine were just like so in love with one another. It was really beautiful. I was like, oh, I just want to like sit and watch them look at each other like all day. They were so, and they were, you know, like the table just like melted away and they're standing directly across from each other holding hands and just like bathing each other in this loving gaze. Do you know what I mean? It was really gorgeous. And, um, and it just made me, it just made me so happy and proud and to, you know, to doing this with a, with another teacher that's doing it and see just like how far I came over a week's time. Right. There was a lot of stuff that got worked out over the week, but to see as what, like that was not the model I got growing up. Right. And it's not the model that we see in society. Like think about the, the shows, you know, with couples and how often really dysfunctional couples are our models. Yeah. That's why, I don't know if I told you this or not, so I started watching Game of Thrones again. I mm. stopped after season one because I was like, this is just, like, too dark for me. <sighs> yeah. And and so I recently, I was like, oh, I'll give it another chance. And I thought, well, maybe it'll give me some, some ideas of things that I want to write about, you know, with, yeah. like, pushback yeah. kind of. And, um... Uh, and so I started watching season two and I was like, afterwards I was like, these people are so awful to each other. Like, like just the relationships. Um, I mean, there are a few like good, healthy relationships, right. but for, the most, part, stars right, the, but for yeah. the most part, it's just people being awful to each other. And, and, and that was the thing, you know, there's a lot of those kind of dark shows that are very popular right now, which, and I understand why it's popular because these shows are addressing things that oftentimes are not addressed, right? right. They're getting real, so to speak, and, and really diving into some of those dark things. So um, I appreciate that, and I see why people are attracted to that. Right, like take but, a flashlight into the basement right. of the psyche and shine it around, yeah. But then the flip side of it is, is now we're seeing all of this you know, these people, you know, behaving badly or, or dishonorably or, you know, in unhealthy relationships with each other. Um, and so I'm like, gosh, I hope that doesn't, you know, perpetuate that kind of thing. I'm curious. Sometimes, you know, it takes us looking because our personal work and lives, it is absolutely crucial that we take the elevator to the basement and walk around with a flashlight and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like it's right. really, really important. And the more we don't do that, the more of that filth is manifesting on the planet. Right. Cause it's like what you're saying about the void, whatever is down there is going right. to come up. And, um, you know, like whichever terms you're using to describe it, like it, it would be, um, within Jungian terms, then our purpose is to get to know all aspects of the self, including the shadow and recognize them, embrace them. Right. And then find their place, get them in the right container. Right. Right. Every, every place has a thing and everything in its place kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how we stop because when we're not looking at it, then they're running the show. Right. Right. So 
the only way for us to stay in the driver's seat in our lives is to know what's going on down there. Um, if we're refusing to look at what's going on down there, we we're either driving from the back seat or we think we're in the driver's seat, but they're pulling cords from underneath the car that are impacting speed brakes, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, uh, and every, every tradition has their way of, of framing that, right. Whether it's, um, giving everything to God, making sure that you're loving your enemy, right. Like there's all these different, uh, every tradition looks at that in different ways, but that's, um, but that's our task is to find find like find these ways to fully embrace yeah. embrace all the shadow and, and that's so much more productive and helpful to go inward and look for those things and to address them than trying to fix other people yeah, and trying to get other people able to, to yeah. do things the way you think they should be doing. Them. Right? Yeah. No, because you're never going to do that. And yeah. so, for those of us that spent many many years trying to fix other people, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And have like the divorce certificates racked up in the corner to prove it, that it does not affect him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then trying to do it with your kids and what do they do? Like the exact opposite thing that you're trying to make them do. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Right. And, oh, how I pray for the day and long for the day and work for the day when, the tipping point of the population recognizes that when someone is standing up and spewing all this nastiness and persecuting a group of people, right? That, that is, it's that, really about them. It's projection, right? It's sheer projection. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, now we know who you are, you know, yeah. like, Oh, the day that a tipping point of the population recognizes this, Politics is totally going to shift. Everything's going to shift. Everything, yeah. Right? Because we'll recognize it for what it is. And um, it'll be this total emperor has no clothes kind of situation. Do you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, on the, the Game of Thrones, actually, I think that's a great lead-in. Because I want to spend some time talking about Divine Masculine. And Game of Thrones is a great lead-off for us to start the next segment. What do you think? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, thanks for the Game of Thrones lead in. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, the thing with Game of Thrones, like that first season, I had similar things, right? Like the second to last episode, I turned to Jason. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to continue watching this. Like, this is just too horrible. And so wretchedly toxic masculine. Yeah. Right, just really toxic masculine. This might makes right. Um, unchecked the person ambition. with the power can do whatever they want, basically. Yeah. Right, um, and so it's just like I can't deal with this anymore. And um, but then the last episode with, like, the Dana- with Daenerys, Daenerys, yeah, I was like, <laughs> what was that? You know. And so that's been what has kept me watching it and with the latest season it was really interesting to watch this further development of of feminine power right so um so that's what's keeping me going (laughs) in the series and i I found out actually that the books themselves are far more metaphysical so so i might uh read the books um although other people have told me too like it will make you feel every horrible emotion towards people that you could ever possibly feel. But, uh, but I've also heard that they're much more metaphysical and that there's like the mothers stay around and, and stuff like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
even after they're killed, because of course it's Game of Thrones, so everyone right. gets killed. Um, so, uh, but this idea of uh, divine masculine, I've been, you know, a lot of people talk about how we're in this place of the rising divine feminine and we have to bring the divine feminine back and the feminine hasn't been, um, which means what exactly valued in our culture. Right. So like kind of on that medicine wheel, right. The, the, the feminine is the place of, of the heart of intuition, of emotion, right. These kinds of things of being and the masculine is the mind and doing right. And, um, and we, our culture is very hyper masculine, right? Right. There's very little value for the feminine in her role. So is that? So is the whole thing of the rise of the divine feminine basically just mean that now we're appreciating women and what they bring? Starting to, the table? to bring right, starting to bring okay. that back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and um, and we can see that diminishment of the feminine with you know if it can't be proven in a test tube, it's not really real, and right, this diminishment of intuition, well, diminishment right, yeah. of of, just what you can see and touch, you know, what you can perceive with your five senses, that's real and everything else, else is, is not. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and just, we see this in the marketplace with how little we value traditional women's work, right? Whether it's right. men or women uh, that are doing that work, it's traditional women's roles like teaching, teaching, nursing. raising up the next generation, right? So we see that in our national budget. We spend... Uh, seven to ten thousand dollars per year per student, depending on the state, for education. But we spend thirty to fifty thousand per year for prisoners. Right. Right. One is a female realm. One is a male realm. Right. Mm. And so, um, so it's really interesting to look at that and how much it is literally costing us. Right. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? So, um, so th- a lot of people talk about this rise of the divine feminine, getting to this place where we're valuing women again, which is also valuing nature again, right? Because like women, nature, emotions, like all of these things are very, very Intuition, connected right? yeah. within the Western psyche, right? Um, we can make arguments about other psyches as well, but that's the one that we know best. Right. So, um, so those are very connected within the Western psyche and, and this idea of dominating rather than collaborating, right. That we want to dominate nature as opposed to work with nature, like things like this. Right. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting for it to be a truly balanced, um, perspective, like what we talked about earlier with the, you know, the gender medicine wheel, because I, you know, sometimes I'm at, um, you know, like business women networking groups and things like this. And you hear people say things like, oh, women make great leaders because we're so collaborative and we're so good with people. And, and, and I, and I kind of start to go, you know, but not every woman is no, like that either. It's like setting not. up a whole nother, like, here's another stereotype now it's that we're going to perpetuate, sexist. you know? Yeah. And it's like, so, so I, I'm like, okay, that's great that we're bringing in an appreciation for the feminine. And now let's morph that into appreciation for the feminine and the masculine in every individual. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I do love that medicine wheel because mm-hmm. it does give us to a place of balance. And, um, and you know, I've been excited in celebrating the rise of the divine feminine and experiencing that within myself. But, um, but lately, right. Like the, the past, um, I would say the past month really intensively, I've 
been seeing how much, um, how much the divine masculine needs to also rise, right? That there's got to be a healing of masculinity. And I think, um, for myself, uh, and this, this started surfacing with some work that I was doing around my relationship with my dad, who is the, the, the embodiment of toxic masculine. Um, and so realizing how much, um, my idea of what masculinity is, is actually based on toxic masculinity. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I totally see that because then it's like, if, if what you've experienced as masculinity is that toxic version, then naturally you're going to feel opposed to that. Right. Right. But it's really the toxicity of it that you're opposed to, but we mistake that for, oh, men are bad or what, you know, like, so yeah. So I love that you're talking about bringing in the healthy aspect of masculinity. Exactly. And as you're talking, I just realized that I, I actually went through this process with femininity as well. Right. Cause I had equal problems with my mom. Oh, right. <laughs> and so, and then, you know, and with like, that stereotype of being that totally. perfect Southern Bella. And so, you know, and then in my family, like I got to the place where I just hated the word lady. Right. Because like, when they're like, why don't you act like a lady, like so-and-so and whoever they pointed at, you know, Cindy or whatever. I hate um, her. <laughs> no, she was just this mean, nasty, backbiting little she was a mean girl oh okay but you know the mean girls always know to behave how to behave in front of the parents right Right. so it was like well why can't you be a lady like cindy's like yeah well if that's a lady (laughs) like screw all y'all you know like (laughs) so because she there was nothing ladylike about her in the true sense right she was just really putting on the lady yes totally just really really nasty and so um and like like perhaps you and I'm sure so many people listening, I totally got burned by the mean girls in junior high school. Yeah. Right. And so I went through this, I went through this place for decades actually of, uh, having this kind of like, I don't want to be like most girls. Right. Yeah. So I also, my idea of femininity was also tied to toxic femininity. Right. Right. So then I was denying my feminine side and trying to be cool with the boys. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, and, and did all these things and denied all these parts of myself because, because I didn't want to be like other girls. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and so I'm just realizing that I've already gone through this process with my femininity of sorting out like, Oh wait, well maybe I should quit calling femininity to, letting the toxicity be the thing that, that is setting the definition. Right. Right. Um, so with that masculinity, like really trying to parse out, well, what is divine masculinity? Right. And there's going to be a difference between a good man and divine masculine, because we're talking about a masculine principle, right? So like looking at men can give us a, can give us an outline, just like looking at women can give me an outline on, on divine feminine. But like a lot of the, the women that I really admire, they have a blend of masculine and feminine aspect, right? Right. They know, they know when to pull up one and when to lay down the other. Right. So, um, so it can give us some hints, but it's not really 
it's not really as helpful as we would as we might think, right? Because a lot of those things that we'd look at a at a good man, then it may be feminine aspects that he knows when to use. Mm-hmm. That right? So it's not really helping us with divine masculinity. Does that make any sense? Or right. am I going off? Yeah. Into, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> Cause, right, because you could define a good man as someone who is in balance and who also is able to use his feminine side as well as being a healthy. Um, using the healthy masculine yeah, side as well. Exactly, exactly. And then you could say the same thing about a woman. Really, Absolutely. they're really a, a good woman is also someone who uses both the feminine and the masculine yeah. healthy aspects. Yeah, exactly. So so par- trying to parse out what the divine masculine is and putting like trying to put our finger on it. So it's having these great conversations with one of the one of the guys that was at camp this week. I oh yeah, go ahead. I, no, no, I, I had a like, thought okay, because yeah. yeah, I was working with something actually recently that mentioned this, and um, I because of course the toxic masculinity is um, power over, you yes. know, which you've talked about, and a the a more healthy version of that sort of. I don't know, external sort of controlling is like the protective shield, right? As opposed to going out there and attacking people and picking fights, right? Right. You have the masculine that is protecting and who will fight if he has to, but it's really more about protecting, not about going out and kicking people's butt. Exactly. (laughs) So that protection is grounded in love. Right. For for their family, for the community, right? As opposed to grounded in fear and insecurity or aggression and ambition. And, yeah, need to prove oneself. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, totally. So um, and and being able to parse out like how, what that looks like when when a when a positive pulse comes up, it gets misguided. Right, because I think a lot of times our imp- I believe it starts with protection and then morphs into something and else. Morphs into something else if the heart work hasn't been done. Uh, okay, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I think protection is definitely one of the aspects of of the divine masculine, and and um, so like parsing this out has been really difficult actually because a lot of times if we're looking at just sort of like gender norms. Um, in the broader culture, men are defined but as being what women are not. So if girls do it, boys can't. Right? Oh, interesting. Boys yeah. don't cry. Girls cry, so boys can't. Right? Girls play yeah. with dolls, so boys can't play with dolls. Right? So it's and it's really interesting because we and it's really um, it's really hurtful for everyone because there's so many. So if women are expressing humanity, then if that gets associated with women, then suddenly men are told they can't do that. Well, then right. what are we doing to, to them and to our society? And that society? goes back, that all stems from the looking at women as being less yes. than men, right? Because right. that's why men don't want to do whatever it is that women are doing because they are perceived as being second class. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we see like how that toxicity just keeps going through, but it, it makes it and you know causes further wounding of the masculine right and then um you know if if i'm if i'm on the top of the hill <laughs> levitating above a rock and look down onto the landscape i can see donald trump is a very wounded that is, that's very wounded masculinity Right. right, like it's very toxic masculine. It's really easy to see it as toxic masculinity. Right. It takes a little bit more breathing into our space <laughs> to see it as wounded masculinity, because then you know uh, compassion can start to arise and things like this. Um, but it, 
this, yeah, these ways that we've interacted with this is also really, really wounding. And I think for, for us, I do believe that the next phase of human evolution is going to be equal partnership, right? Yeah. We've had the time of the matriarchy. We've had the time of the patriarchy. Now it's time to come into, into, uh, an equal balance. With when one was another. there a time of the matriarchy? Oh, so, uh, and this is really interesting. So I've been having, uh, pre Greek in Mesopotamia. Oh really? Yeah. And, hmm. um, it's interesting cause my, uh, uh, father-in-law is, um, like the the picture of the nutty professor, right? So he's like he's, his head is always somewhere else, and um, and so he has all these amazing uh, history books, and he spent a lot of time thinking about it. And he was born and raised in China, right? So he's got he he was not raised with a Western perspective. He has a very different look on things. And uh, one of the visits when we'd gone over to San Diego to visit with Jason's parents, you know, he had said like. I don't know why they picked Greece as the beginning of, of Western civilization. Like it was just another Mesopotamian culture, you know? So, so why pick this place as the beginning of Western civilization and sort of off the cuff, I said, it was probably the shift of the patriarchy. Right. And he, he didn't really know what to do with that. Like it was so outside of how he'd been thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it just like skipped his record, and he didn't. And then he just like went somewhere else. I don't know. We started talking about Michael Pollan or something. I don't know. And so, um, but it's been something that I've continued to be thinking about, um, and done a little bit of research on as well. And there in the Fertile Crescent, right? Uh, there were matriarchal uh, civilizations there, and so Greece. And if you look at Greek, at Greek culture compared to Roman culture, it looks much more feminine, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot more reverence for the female gods. There's a lot, right? The, the society itself seems to be much more gent, gentler than, than mm-hmm. the Romans were. But so it would make sense if that was where the patriarchy began to emerge, right? We have Mount Olympus ruled by Zeus and we, mm-hmm. and, uh, we have this rape culture, these gods right. can take whoever they want, whenever they want, and discard them at their pleasure as well, right? So, um, uh, so we so we see the patriarchy coming in in that space. But if it'd been nurtured in the in the in the bosom of, of matriarchal culture, then you're still going to see more of the feminine there than right. when when the Romans took it into patriarchy and never looked back, right? Yeah. Like paved the road and just kept running, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so it was in those spaces, and then. Um, large majority of the tribes that were here on this continent were matriarchal tribes, right? Uh, for most indigenous tribes that I know of, they trace lineage through the, through the mother okay. because that's the only one that you can be sure of. Right. right? Um, <laughs> and it's one of the things that you can see in patriarchy, like then women and children become property, right? So then they, they, they want to trace it through the male because it's important that it belongs to that man as opposed to, mm. does that make sense? Right. So, yeah. So there's been, so we were definitely in a matriarchy pre Western civilization. Hmm. Right. Um, and Which makes sense if you think about it, since women, you know, do bring new life and that sort of thing and take care of the home and all that. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. if you're paying attention to nature, then you see, oh, well, women are the doorway to all yeah. human life. That's one of the things I thought was interesting with some animal species is that the female is the important one. Oh, of course. And the males, it's like once they've, you know, fertilized the egg, they're disposable. They're <laughs> well, and you see, too, that within, um, I think 
there's like chimpanzees and an ape species because for most species and Darwin wrote about this, but he was discouraged by his Victorian <laughs> um, contemporaries not to publish it because it undermined the patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. But one of his theories of evolution was that it was driven by mate selection. And of course it was females that drive right. mate selection. And if you think about it in, if you look at the coloring of animals, exactly. like say for instance, birds especially, the males are bright and the females are usually brown or something that's more camouflaged because it's important for the woman, the female to be able to blend in and not get found by predators. But males, it's more important for them to be found by the females, by the females. than it is to stay alive right. and not get eaten by a predator. Totally. So they, right. <laughs> so, so they are the ones that are strutting around and preening. Right. right? And, um, and the, the, for the species of animals where, because the female is going to be raising the offspring, it's really important that she has control over mate selection. Right. That's how you perpetuate the species. So since she's got this tremendous responsibility to carry, she has to make sure that whoever she chooses as her mate is going to help her with all the things that she needs. And of course there are lots of animals that mate for life. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so the males aren't always sperm donors. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but you know, if she's going to, she's certainly the one that's either nursing or nesting or whatever. So she's got a lot more responsibility. She needs to know that her partner is going to help her in that. Right. So it's important for her to have the control in that situation. And for the, the very few species that don't have the females in control of that selection, they're treated horribly, humans included. Uh. Right? Because then you, you, you. Uh, you're you're in a place of extreme vulnerability, and having worked in domestic violence advocacy for a long time, getting women pregnant and keeping them pregnant is absolutely the number one control tactic used by abusers. Right? If he if he gets her pregnant enough times, and she's got three kids that she's got to take, you know, three or more kids that she's got to take care of, well, then she's not going anywhere fast, is she? Yeah. Right. So so we can see really quickly how. When women aren't empowered in mate selection, that we have massive issues and it becomes a, a way of, of control over and, and oppression of, right? Yeah. So um, where were we when we started we're there? We talking about divine masculine. I don't so, know. <laughs> so we got over that anyway. So yeah. So oh, we're talking about like matriarchal culture and patriarchal culture, right? right so, yeah. So we had these matriarchal cultures and then we've been in the space of patriarchy and and I think the next, you know, a lot of people are feeling, okay, this clearly is not sustainable. Right. We're destroying the planet. We're, we've, you know, we're, we're, we've, we're warring Wars constantly, constantly. Yeah. you know, um, we're using up our resources. It's, it's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't work. We all see that we need something new. Um, and, um, and I, I think too, that it's going to be this partnership that comes forward, but in order for that partnership to come forward, then there has, there has to also be the healing of, of masculinity and we have to help usher in the rise of the divine masculine as much as we need to usher in the rise of the divine feminine. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and even figuring out what that means I think is is a is a is a yeah it's a, a challenge because you have to parse out the divine feminine and masculine from the toxic versions that we're also familiar with and figure out well which is which parts are we throwing out and which parts are we keeping yeah that's 
that is the tricky part because they've become so entangled. Yeah. Yeah. And figuring out what parts are just sick and really just need to be cut away and what parts have been misrouted and need to mm-hmm. be reset. Right. right. And, and put into its, its healthy, healthy right. path. Like someone right? who starts with that desire to protect and then it gets morphed into toxic things yeah. and then saying, okay, let's go back to that and, and put it back on the right path. Yeah. All right, so we've got a lot of great, new, wonderful, juicy information here. So then how do we apply this? Like, what do we do practically if we want to, you know, really support the divine feminine, the divine masculine? Um, you know, what do we do with that? Yeah, you know, so there's an, uh, a really simple thing to do, I think, um, is when we're looking at media in our Facebook feeds, things like this to pay attention to and amplify divine masculine when we come across it. Right. There's a whole lot of focusing on toxic masculine and, and there's a whole lot of, it's real easy to find. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) And sort of, so as opposed to lashing out against toxic masculine and sort of engaging in that sort of argument or sort of hate <laughs> yeah moving towards calling out when we see good examples yes amplifying that because it's gonna be the healthy masculine that helps us heal and or cut away the toxic masculine right right and are we looking for that only in men i or- think it's i think it is everywhere i think if we're looking at uh and i and i've got another exercise that we can do to look within mm-hmm. right um and then that makes it that's also something that we can pay attention to in our relationships and the people that we know. I think when it comes to social media, what news we're watching, what we're paying attention to, what we respond to, what we, you know, like and share or whatever, it's probably going to be easier if it's focused at, and especially if we're amplifying that for other people to see, right. Then it's going to be easier for that to be recognizable for other people. If it's sort of like cis male. right? Right. Um, and I, I think, uh, trans male can be a, a huge step in that as well, right? Like, um, but outwardly presenting as male, let me put it that way. Right. So, um, and uh, and then an exercise that to go a little bit deeper in that and look at our inner work and be able to apply that to relationships and things too is to spend some time with the feminine and the masculine and sort of in ourselves and sort of list out, maybe start out with just kind of brainstorming about your concepts of what feminine means, what masculine means. I could even see doing a list of like what I like about men, what I don't like about men, what I like about women, what I don't like about women. Yeah. Cause that'll kind of bring out what you perceive those to be and then you can sort of look at okay look at those lists and go which one of those are toxic which ones of those are not right are the healthy exactly and then just you kind of keep parsing through to see okay which of these are are is this something that's an essence of masculinity is this masculine principle right if i again kind of looking at that medicine wheel to guide us in some places too is this masculine principle or is this stuff culture has told us men are. And I think too, that our 
instincts and our intuition are really helpful in this kind of exercise. Because I know I used to be of the mindset that I wanted someone to like give me the steps of the exercise, and so I will know that I've done it right. You know, <laughs> at the end. Yeah. But I think this is one of those things where it's kind of open ended, and you can sort of make your list and then just look at it and see how you feel about those things. What are the thoughts that come to you when you look at that list? And and I think we all have a really actually very good innate sense of what is a healthy, the divine feminine and the divine masculine, because we recognize it when we see it in people and in characters and stories. We're like, oh, I like that person because it's the, it's the supportive mother as opposed to the critical mother, you know? And, and so we see examples of these things all the time. And so on some level, we, we kind of already know what they are. In some ways, it can also be a really great way for us to question what we've been programmed with as far as what we think a woman is, right? And so that's the thing, too, of like looking at masculine and feminine as opposed to man and woman. Does that make sense? Mm. We're looking at masculine principle, feminine principle versus men and women. And men and women is a way to start, Mm -hmm. but uh, when we're looking at men and women, then we're also looking at gendered cultural idea, like cultural gendered ideas. Right. And we start that, that gender enculturation really, really early. Right. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of studies that have shown well, just going down the toy aisle and, Oh my you gosh, know, it's ridiculous. I don't think yeah. it's ever been this bad. It's just insane. <clears throat> I mean, like, you know, a hundred years ago it was wooden toys and you I hated tell the that. I hated like, that color pink, you know, that Barbie boxes are. The Pepto Bismol pink. Right. Yeah. Cause the whole aisle, it's like that in purple. It's like, I'm like, too much of that color. I like, as a so kid, I did really not like crazy. that color at all. It's really crazy now. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, there was this great meme that was passing around that says, you know, if you want to like fight against that sort of g- gendered enculturation of your child, like, uh, just dress them in like onesie, um, Halloween costumes. <laughs> So when people are like, is it a boy or a girl? You're like, well, it's clearly a dinosaur. (laughs) I just think it's so awesome. But they've done studies showing that, and this, we're talking about bed babies, right? Um, And so, but people will treat girl babies differently than boy babies, right? So the girl babies are like, oh, you're so cute, cute, cute. So they get a lot of like cutesy, cutesy language. Uh-huh. And to the boys are like, oh, a little tough guy. He's so strong. Like, huh. really? He's six months old. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know? Like so, physically, there's like almost nothing different. Right, them. exactly. And if anything, <laughs> the females are stronger because biologically we're stronger because in order to like, cult, you know, like cultivate new life to come out of us, you have to be biologically stronger to be able to handle that. We support two lives, right? So yeah. uh, biologically women are stronger. Men have more mm-hmm. muscle mass. If right. We're talking in general terms. I right? guess it depends on how you're defining stronger. Right. <laughs> well, we live longer. That's another evidence, isn't it? Mm. Our systems are stronger. They live longer. Because it's stronger. Interesting. <laughs> and we're able to support two lives, right? Yeah. So, huh. um, but yeah, men have more muscle mass, but right. there's so many other definitions it. of like biologically what's considered vital and strong and this kind of stuff, hmm. right? So, Interesting. So starting with, and it, and it may even be that that's the, the place to start, right? Is to think about like, well, gosh, what are we... What are we told a woman is and what is a woman really? And I think, mm-hmm. uh, or what are we told a man is and what is a man really, right? And um, having been someone that didn't that didn't fit those norms, right? right? Yeah. It was something I started questioning really early on. 
right? Because I, I didn't fit that. Well, did that mean that I'm not a woman? Right. right? Um, you still felt that you were a woman. I always identified though, as right. woman. Yeah. And I had lots of people call me a manly woman. I had people tell me I was a man in a woman suit, right? Um, and and so it was like, well, if, if that's what you think, then you don't understand what a woman is, right? That was yeah. my response to that. Um, and And for a lot of people... They feel like a woman in a man suit or a man in a woman suit, and they they want to get their suit. They Pink. identify right. You're right. So they the they trans. really do feel that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They really right. do feel that way, which and is different than what you experienced, where right. you always identified as. Female. I've always identified as female and gotcha. very girly, girly female. Female. <laughs> I was never a tomboy, um, and so. And you like throwing your house parties? Yes. <laughs> and I wanted frilly dresses all the time. And I had tea parties with my toys and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I have always been a super, super girly girl. But then perceived by others as being a manly woman because, because I'm of certain tall, physical because I have big bones, because I've got this deep voice, because I never, like, my grandma was like, oh, you know, you're smart. You don't have to prove it to anyone. <laughs> right. Does that, or like, does that mean like keep your smartness hidden or what's yeah, that? Cause okay. it intimidates boys <laughs> and don't let, you know, let, let them win, let them win. Like, no, they only get to win if they're good enough to win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry. I'm not doing that. But like, yeah. that was the kind of stuff that I got. Right. And because right. I wouldn't let them win and because I didn't shield my intelligence, Right then, I was perceived as this manly woman because only a guy a would actually l- compete fairly and speak his mind. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you must be a guy then. <laughs> right. So it's those kind of things too, right? Like to look at like, okay, well, what has society told me these things are? Mm-hmm. Does that fit who I am? Right, and um, and then you know, kind of just spending a little time thinking about the masculine and feminine. I think starting with a list of what I like and what I don't like about men and women is, a, is it can be a good starting place if we keep those kind of um, if we keep understand that the, there may be sort of enculturated yes. uh, things built yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think uh, and, and and looking examining both sides of that within ourselves and looking at the healthy and the toxic. For each one of those, um, and uh, and I, I'm so curious to see what people come up with this, and I would really love to continue the conversation. I think, especially when it comes to uh, that divine masculine side, because I find it very hard to put my finger on what that really is, right? Well, um, I know why that is. Is because it's the dominant thing. You know how we're talking in our prejudice episode about you become blind to whatever the dominant culture is and you just see that as normal. So that's what it is, right? If male is, you know, the patriarchy, if that's the dominant Well, way, so I know what... Then- yeah, I know, oh, I can <laughs> tell you what toxic masculinity is. That's really easy for me, right? The thing I... The thing that is difficult to define, um, and I had so many great conversations about this this week, so it's also difficult to define for men, right? It's for men diffi- to define it for themselves, you mean? Def- yeah, that divine masculine. So, like, a lot of good guys, right, um, are also really struggling with this. And uh, so they, they see... Um, this toxicity, this power over, this rape culture, this entitlement, this privilege, and they see how it hurts other people, and they don't want to perpetuate that. Right. Well, but I they think don't know what it means to be. It's the power with and power for. Right. They don't. They don't know. But there's other aspects too, right? So that's like the baseline, I think. 
but that's for both men and women both is, mm-hmm. right i think the new paradigm is recognizing that the only true power is power with and that power over is actually a manifestation of fear and security and right. powerlessness well right? wasn't the aspects of the divine masculine in that wheel that there are shared? some there are some aspects there but we can parse out different characteristics and sort of the yang sort of stuff yeah so as we're well. like looking at yin and yang stuff too and um, but it's something that and it may be really interesting to have conversations with the men in your lives about this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do they see masculinity? How, what is their dance with that? And, and I think a, a lot of men, they see the toxic masculinity for what it is. We've all been taught that that's what a man is, right? And, um, and they see how hurtful it is, and so they don't want to be that. So then they'll push their masculine side away and develop the feminine, but then that disables them from being able to to live fully and healthily, let alone to be able to counter the toxic masculinity, which is, I I think, part of the reason that the toxic masculinity is so rampant is because... There's not an alternative. Exactly. It's natural balancer opposition is not there because we've defined masculinity by toxic masculinity. We say, oh, this is what a man is, instead of, no, this is what, this is toxic. And we can define divine feminine as being those things that is not a part of masculinity. And that's a good question to, I think, for everyone to really spend time Is that why it's easier to define what the divine feminine is? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I mean, in culture we say, well, women are this, so if a woman is that, a man can't be. But of course that's based in misogyny, right? Like we talked about. A lot of the stuff that, you know, I hear things like women are great at social relationships and collaboration and intuition and so you can look at those things as being divine feminine aspects, but really everybody has those. Men right. has those, thing, those things right. too. And Which it kind of goes back right. to being the whole looking person. At, exactly. Right? Looking and that at you have all masculine aspect and feminine aspect as opposed to women and men. Right. Because right. a, a well-developed, actualized human being will have both. Right. And if you, if you like... Uh, looked well, at it like a Psych 101 textbook that had a list of masculine and feminine traits. And you could find these. You could Google masculine and feminine traits, and they'll, you'll get a list of things that are considered masculine and feminine. If there was a, a, a human that had only masculine or a human that had only feminine, both of the, those people would be really, really dysfunctional right. and have They'd lots and lots person. of problems in yeah. their lives. Yeah. <laughs> so we, 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 we really do need both. But... Um, but I think one of the things that we haven't done as a culture and that we, we, we really need to now for the, for the healing to happen that needs to happen, right, is to really sit down and think about how have we defined male and female based on masculine and feminine traits and combinations or whatever. And, and these ways that we've drawn the lines down the middle and said, you know, well, women are this and men are that, and we're working out of toxic definitions for both of them, really. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, and so I think too, having conversations with the guys in your life about how they experience masculinity, what that means to them, what parts of themselves are they scared of? What do they want to pull up? but don't know how to deal with because there's not, we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of, um, examples of that divine masculine. It's not something that we have a lot of examples in our culture to look towards. Right. So, mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be really interesting to have those conversations with the, with the 
those the prison is male in your life, you know, and thinking again for yourself, like, well, what does it, what does it mean for me? What does my femininity mean for me? Right. Um, yeah. So I, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to continue the conversation because I'm also working really deeply with it. And it was interesting that even at this camp with, with people that have spent a lot of time and energy on the mystic path, um, and spent a lot of time and energy talking about these things. Also, we're like, huh, well, I don't know, you know, I mean, right. we, you it's know, so we spent kinda... hours this week <laughs> talking about this and still was like, okay, this is definitely going to be an ongoing conversation. So right? yeah. we're already like drafting the next email in our head that we were going to send each other. So, yeah. um, so I'm, it's something that I do want to continue. And I hope that people will go onto our Facebook page and mm-hmm. post there. Um, and what talk about it. That would be great to hear listeners definition of how they would define the divine masculine. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it may be, it may be that, um, this will be the topic that we have for, for the next pop up podcast or something so that we can come together in person Mm -hmm. and then dig into it a little deeper after the mic gets turned off. Yeah, absolutely. So glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, You can come to the Facebook page, find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group. Um, And that's a great place to connect with other people, uh, talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is going to be. And Pinterest, find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for that you've scrolled through and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest. And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we've loved having you. Y'all come back now, you hear? here. <laughs>